Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome to the Raptors or Everything podcast, a playoff episode. Here we are. Who would have thought the Raptors are in the playoffs? Back in the day, felt like they were not going to be there. They're in 11th place, December, all of a sudden, January, February, March, April. Here we are. The Raptors are in fifth place. And so here they are playing the Philadelphia 76ers. Joining me to talk about that series is your own Weitzman, Fox Sports. Sir, you might know him if uh, you took in that piece about Nick Nurse's crouching habits, his deep squat, which was awesome. Um, Other than that, uh, yeah, doing a lot of different things in the NBA. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm here for the uh, the important articles and the important work. That's what I am here for. <laughs> I actually learned <laughs> from that piece, though, because I didn't realize why Nick uh, was so accustomed to crouching. It was because, like, his father and his parents, like, they, I mean, his father, at least, he would have yelled at him if he was standing in front of the television. And so he's just like, I'm going to crouch then. And so he just kept on doing it. There was more to it, but that was a funny part. <laughs> um, yeah, I still don't know. if He, he also said there was the part... Um, you know, to get out of the way because he came up through coaching in all these uh, cities where, like, you know, the guy sitting in row row one probably matters. I think Nick probably sold him the tickets, right? So, you know, that, you like, that would be part of it. Again, I don't know if that's true or not, but it works. It made a nice story, and, I, you know, it was a good way to spend the day just, like, tracking Nick's nurse squatting from the MSG press area. So Yeah, no kidding. Living uh, the dream. Hey, aren't we all? Right. And I imagine Nick Nurse will be in a very deep squat at various times. During this like ser- yeah, there you go. At various times during this series, because like you look at these two teams, um, I mean, they're both kind of uh, kind of sluggish when it comes to their offense. Um, they're not exactly like leaders in pace, but they do love using mismatches in isolation. And that's how they kind of capitalize on making their offenses work. So I guess just to start, because when they brought on 76ers, obviously, when they brought on James Harden, it was a pretty much, it was a huge culture shift. And don't got to get into the whole Ben Simmons thing, but how do you think the Sixers are different after that trade? Uh, <laughs> depends which week of sample we're going with, right? Recently, okay. the, uh, <laughs> the different is bad. How about that, right? Like if you went the first five games, what was it, 5-0? and I think they started, right? Um, they look like world beaters, right? Now, again, helps when you play the Knicks, uh, other teams like that, but they beat the Timberwolves for a uh, legit team. Um, now they look like shit, right? Can I, I can curse? Can I curse? Yeah, that cool? sure. Um, um, I just, yeah, I mean, the game against, I'll say you guys, the game against the Raptors, uh, whatever week that was, last week, right? It all blends in. I mean, that was the most telling thing, just Harden, he can't get by anybody right now. And then he's blaming the spacing after, which I find weird and thought that was strange um, to go two for 14, whatever he was. And then also you have 13 assists. So that would seem to indicate that like your spacing was decent, right? Like if you have that many assists. Or he's um, that gifted. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, I guess you're right. That's the other way to do it, right? Just, it takes a lot. Whether he's right or not, I don't think he is right, right? I think the big, I'm sure we'll get to this, right? Because it's going to be a big part of the series. I think the bigger problem is that he can't get by guys right now one-on-one for the most yeah. part, especially guys off the switch. Take that out of it. Even if he's right to the, the audacity to go two for 14 or whatever and then mention the spacing like four times in your post-game press conference it's just like yeah. oh and you wonder you wonder why the next players were celebrating when uh, Harden was out right <laughs> no kidding right and uh, I watched his uh, post-game after that and um, a question was asked to him like do you think the spacing affected your ability to get to the bucket he's like yeah I would say that I, I would that say was so. yours truly by the way <laughs> there, oh look at that Look it was a great follow-up. It was a great follow-up. Because he, he's mentioned spelling, spacing like four times. I'm yeah. a big guy. I didn't do this enough. I think sometimes these guys, like, you got to ask them the questions. They say things sometimes, right? Like, and we just have to ask them, like, what do you mean by that? Like, he's, he's yeah. clearly ready to say, he's clearly, he mentioned the spacing himself. Nobody mentioned spacing. Nobody said it was spacing for us. He went out of his way and said it like four times. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I know. He said, yeah, actually. I, don't, I mean, sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure who asked the question yesterday, but I saw Doc Rivers got a little bit pricklier with the reporter about <laughs> yeah. Paul Reed versus DeAndre Jordan in the backup center spot. And he was getting like, 
I mean, if he's already like this at this point, I'm not sure what you've seen from Doc Rivers over the season, but if he's already like this now, like how are they going to respond in the event? Uh, yeah, the Raptors win a game or they win game one or something like that because there's a lot of pressure on Philly this year. Yeah, and Doc this year has been very much with the media. I don't think this, I think he's, well, too, okay, with the media, he's been very much of the uh, how dare you question me mold, right? There was the one mm. where, I forget what the question was, but he said, when you ask Greg Popovich that question, um, the reporter someone asked him something about like that it was a it was a pretty i think a question was like where do you do you blame coaching for this loss or something like that um well that's pretty forward which, which is pretty forward <laughs> so which is pretty forward it was it was not a regular beat writer if i remember correctly um yeah but again i'm cool with like i don't know these guys get paid a lot of money to be like a basketball coach you can ask you can answer some tougher questions and it's okay to have a straightforward question Sure. Um, every now and then without like a runway full that's longer than like the fast six runway full lead up and like qualifications right um and he said yeah when you ask when you ask that to greg popovich which is the more telling part is he thinks he's greg popovich i guess for his one that's title my and, point that's my point in, in how yeah. many years um and a lot of game seven i think doc's a good coach um we can probably get to this but like i think the coaching thing is going to be a uh mm. one of the mismatches here and i apologize if we talked about this. What was the joke you were yeah. going to make? We hear some uh, background noise. Uh, I have some electricians yeah. in the house. And what was yes. the joke you, you had ready? And I was going to say, say you ruined it, man. I was going to oh, say, well, there's lots of electricity around this there series. There that is. was no, my... I apologize. I yeah, apologize. It's okay. It's okay. Um, Don't of course, me. we were good. They were, literally were not near me for four hours. And then the second we signed on, this is what happened. Because this is how it goes, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You asked me about Doc Rivers. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's going to prickly. I, don't, I think he's pretty... Um, uh, calm that's the wrong word confident like i don't think he's panicky in behind the scenes he just clearly doesn't respect the philly media in a way he doesn't think they have the right to question him or doesn't like the way they've been questioning him but those are sort of that does i don't know if that affects how he coaches right those are two sort of two separate things it's been brewing a little bit probably over the course of the season where he's just getting this question that question all of a sudden there's like you know i don't really want to entertain your your questions anymore sir yeah and the question about b-ball i mean this has been the class again like this has been the class and raptors fans know this right what's the stat the famous stat um okay, with Embiid in the series uh in the Kawhi shot series like the minutes when Embiid didn't play the sixes were outscored by oh yeah what was that was. i know I, yeah but i hear what you're saying yeah, yeah. um so the, the backup center thing has been some that's been an issue for the sixers for three years now four years sure. now um so yeah it's, it's a huge it's a huge concern and so b-ball paul like Paul Reed, the reporter was asking if he shouldn't have been trying some different sort of lineups. DeAndre Jordan can't play anymore. Raptors fans, like when DeAndre Jordan's on the court, Nick Nurse, I, and he's gonna he's gonna go at him, at him, at him, at him every single time. Hey man, there was a game where he did play. I think it was the the March one, and he was a minus ten in ten minutes. That's a, which is <laughs> like, which seems almost did, mathematically yeah. impossible, right? Um, well, there's a worse like one, but just, we'll get to that. But yeah. If you just took shot clock violations, you'd be better off, right? As opposed to like <laughs> literally, that might be the move for the Sixers. They don't have a backup center. Just like dribble out the clock for 24 seconds, set your defense, and just try to be exactly. like minus four instead of minus 12, right? <laughs> Control the possessions. That's the important thing. That's what we're talking about. So um, as I'm, as we're talking about the series, uh, the Raptors, just so everyone knows, you probably already do know, uh, three and one against this uh, 76ers team this season. And I found it interesting that they actually haven't seen the Raptors fully healthy yet. Um, because OG and Fred haven't played in a game against the 76ers since November 11. That was a game where uh, Fred hit that uh, shot and uh, he was doing that Sam Cassell dance. It was awesome. It was hilarious. But yeah, either of those guys, they haven't played against the 76ers since uh, that one. And so that kind of gets into starting with the Raptors. I'll, I'll start with you. Um, what do you think are the advantages for Toronto um, on the offensive end of the ball? What sticks out? When they when, when they have the ball, you're saying? When, when Toronto has the ball. Yeah, when Toronto has the ball, yes. Um, so, what are the advantages? That's a good question. Well, so the Sixers here. The Sixers, I'm going to answer it more holistically, right? And then we'll get to it. But the Sixers, one of the issues, especially with Tybal being out now for a few games, but the Sixers killed their depth with that yeah. trade, which is what happens, right? Like, the Sixers can't put five guys on the floor who are all two-way players, which sounds – really basic but it's, no, I get, it's I get a problem it. right yeah um so even if Tybal's playing he can't he i mean nick nurse would leave him 40 feet you know he would like leave him open 40 feet open if he wants to an offense right exactly um <laughs> danny green danny green can shoot well he can't dribble and his mm. defense he's, he's, his defense is you know you could probably it's not as what it used to be but fine you want to count him as a two-way player but like these other wings are not even maxi i love maxi's unbelievable maxi's a defensive liability hard as we know um 
we have the other wigs. I don't even have other wigs, right? Like we can. <laughs> yeah, Tobias <laughs> Harris is yeah, yeah, yeah. Tobias Harris can like you know they tried him on Pascal, and I have a feeling we're going to see that a good amount, especially with Tybal out, because hmm. I'm guessing they're not going to want to put in. I, I know now we're when Toronto has the ball, but I'm guessing they're not going to want to put and beat on him the entire game like that. Sure. Um, so the answer to your question, right, going back to be like it's more the dilemma that Sixers have to face, right? In terms of who are we playing on the floor? So what are we giving up? Let's say we have to worry about Toronto's offense. And are we going to put in, let's say we're in Philly, we're going to put in Tybal, we're going to play Danny Green, we're going to put in, I mean, I mean, Yang is okay, I'll fully can't really really be attacked. Maybe play Shane Milton a little more. I don't really know. I mean, they don't really have the horses, right? And yeah. how are we going to deal with Embiid, like our entire defense, because Philly's entire defense, because they have, these weaknesses, especially out in the perimeter, is basically Embiid anchoring the whole thing and propping the whole thing up from by dropping back, playing drop coverage, and yeah. just being the brilliant the Rudiger Bear, the Rudiger Bear. Correct, yeah. and he's brilliant at it. He's great physically, and his basketball IQ is unbelievable, unbelievable. What Facts. he is like, just watch, Facts. watch, watch him guard a pick and roll and just do the dance. And he talked about this on what well, he's done like fifteen podcasts recently. But like the cat and mouse game and stuff like that. Like he is yeah. absolutely it's 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 art watching him do that. Um, but if you do that, then who's going to Pascal? And does that mean mm. Tobias Harris is going to Pascal? And then if you put Embiid on Pascal Siakam, then are you giving Siakam, excuse me, then are you opening up the lane? Are you taking away your safety net, the thing that props up all these other guys? And these are the dilemmas um, that Philly's going to have to solve. But I think Toronto, like, you know, they, just, they can put guys on the floor where they can put four guys, whatever you want to, Ben Vliet and OG sure. and Pascal and uh, Trent, like guys who can attack and who can create stuff. I think... I think we end up seeing points where, like, oh wait, Philly, like this guy, Philly's having trouble matching up on the floor. I think that's what we're gonna have to see. Mm-hmm. This really does all center around Joel and B, also on this end of the court too, offensively yep. for the 76ers. But it's about like he can't be everywhere, and so how do the Raptors exactly. use that to their advantage? And that's with Fred, um, he's only played one game against the 76ers, and if you you know you probably know that he hasn't been great since he hurt his knee. Like he's been really, really, really up and down. It's been kind of depressing to see actually because he's lost his burst completely. And like side to side, his defense is going to be there, and I think he's going to be he's going to make a big impact there on the defensive end. But offensively, he'll go four for twelve, then he'll go six for eight, and it's just like absolutely everywhere. So with Joel Embiid, like how do you approach that pick and roll? And like you don't want you don't want Joel Embiid coming up too are to the perimeter because then what's happening behind you nothing good that's for sure mm-hmm. and then when it comes to driving lanes like with pascal in that match with uh, with tobias harris that you mentioned earlier he was five of eight against tobias harris in that last matchup so once Embiid again comes to help in the event that happens what's going on behind it because the raptors are just tenacious on the offensive rebounding side of things uh that's, good. Chino, yep, that's a good yep yep og ananobis like they know the miller this is where they're going to be able to make up possessions and get some easy buckets because they know that their half court offense isn't great it's not it really isn't um but you I mean pascal siakam like you know going like in twago over the past little while has really made a huge difference like his numbers are ridiculous but um that's kind of the key to this. And how do they use those um, advantages that they have? Like a Danny Green on um, Scotty Barnes, for instance, when, when that happens, like I recall two different times this season, one of them being preseason where Scotty just like dunked all over Danny Green. And which is funny because actually Danny allowed him to keep his, his championship jacket. Do you hear about that one? I did not. No. What was this after? Yeah. So Danny got his ring, obviously. Right. He yeah. just got it. And, but his championship jacket was in Toronto. It's a jacket that uh, Drake or someone or OVA that kind of helped okay. out with it. And so um, OG and Anobi asked Danny, he's like, hey, do you want this or can I give it to Scotty? Because Scotty wanted it. And Danny's I love like, that yeah, question, sure. by the way. That's like what I do with like my like, like my mom does that with me when she's trying to like go into my closet, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, do you want this or can I give it away? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. not like a championship jacket. Yeah. <laughs> What's crazy. hilarious though is that that conversation was recent. So Danny was coming to claim the jacket like in days. And but still OG asked him, and Danny's like, Yeah, sure, he can keep it. I feel um, like that's that feel like that's some like you know uh, uh, mental warfare there. You know what I mean? Like psychological yeah, I warfare. I think that's what that is. Like OG <laughs> trying to mess around there because the balls knowing knowing he's coming in three days or whatever it is to come get his ring. Hysterical, um, but yeah. Um, I, I've seen like those kind of matchups happen for the Raptors against the 76ers and other teams. Like this, very few teams can match up bet- between their their middle of the court with OG Barnes and Siakam. There's always a mismatch, and that's where the Raptors kind of create their offense. It's like, all right, so this is the six five guys on OG. Cool, he's going to back him down. He's going to get the defensive rotation. He'll make a smart pass, and 
Bob's your uncle. Um, so it's things like that that really come to mind for me is like, how can they get Joel Embiid away from the basket? And once Joel Embiid is at Fiesta contest or things of that nature, like what's going on behind it? Because um, they really need to be solid defensively one on, and one-on-one. And if they're not, then you're going to exert Joel Embiid more than you already are going to, because he's going to have to play like a bajillion minutes in the series. He plays around 37, I think. That probably has to be around 40 because they can't go, you know, eight minutes, nine minutes without him on the court, I don't think. By the way, yeah, the, the other thing mentioning um, Embiid and the pick and roll and Van Vliet, I think this is um, an interesting part. Is like with Embiid's drop coverage, Van Vliet is great in those pick and roll mid range jumpers, right? Forget mm-hmm. even the three. I mean, playoff series is where we see those things come back for good reason, right? And actually, sure. yeah, I'll plug myself. I'm, I'm writing a story on Van Vliet that's going to come out during the playoffs, but that's one of the plug, things plug, like plug, plug, plug. Last year, we <laughs> watched a ton of Chris Paul footage of the playoffs last year. Chris Paul, um, mm-hmm. Chris Paul, how Chris Paul kind of snaked around uh, pick and rolls and pull up in the elbows and stuff like that. And that's the kind of thing that you can see that the Sixers have been um, susceptible to in the years past. Now, yeah. Brett Brown would be a little more aggressive in the drop, right? Like we'd see the highlights where he would go all the way down. But that's more for three-pointers. I think that 17-foot jumper, which Van Vliet likes, that's well, either that's going to be there or you're going to make him beat guard you there. But that's a shot that Van Vliet mm. is really comfortable taking and really good at, right? And in yeah. a playoff series, you know – this is a cliche, but like the twos and threes, like it's not getting good looks, especially down the stretch. And in a playoff series, I think we can very, it would not surprise me if we see one of those games where he hits like, you know, five of those in the second half, right? Yeah. And this is where his health kind of comes back into the question yeah. is because yeah. he has increased his range from like, you know, five feet behind the three point line. But is he able to hit those shots? Does he have the and range? Pull him out even more. Exactly. Right. We don't even know. Um, it's like, it's really crazy. Like that game against uh, the heat where he broke Kyle Lowry's single season record for most made threes in a season. Um, you get like five threes, you get four threes in the first quarter, right? Then you go to the next game against the Atlanta Hawks. He was three of 12, couldn't hit anything. Like the game got really competitive down the stretch because he missed like every single goddamn. Yeah, he's had three. some great box scores. He's yeah. had some funny ones, some big numbers. Exactly. Some right. Big, <laughs> big, big. But then. But then he uh, he gets one more opportunity. Pasco draws a double. There's a kick out. He hits that three. It's just like, what is going on? Like, be consistent, please. But then, I mean, he's an all-star. Like, he's obviously injured, so I, I don't want to, like, harp on this too much. But this, the expectations for this team have really increased over the course of the season because of how good they've played. So it'd be unfortunate if your all-star player, the person that you would think you can count on, is the reason for lack of a better term, um, why you're not able to get past a team like the 76ers who are very good, but there's an, there's an advantage here that you could capitalize on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Other thing that came to mind was just like a person like Gary Trent Jr. Um, getting like side to side East West defense. I don't think either of these teams are too good at that just because of some of the players that they have. Like, I think I'm going to talk about Scotty Barnes later on, but getting players through screens and having like some of those movement shooters, like Gary has an opportunity to really, you know, be a huge factor. And again, talking about, you know, getting Joel Embiid away from the bucket, if he's now a threat as well, and you're getting like the whole defense and rotation. And I mean, he's another person that can put up like, you know, 20 points in a heartbeat, um, especially in those non-Pascal minutes. So he has an opportunity to have a huge factor in in this series, but um, yeah, we kind of know the gist of this is that this is kind of surrounding like Joel Embiid. Can they contain, uh, can the 76ers contain the Raptors in their penetration? Um, it's going to really come down to that. On the other side, advantages for Philly. One is very obvious, but I'll let you go ahead. No, I mean, Embiid, right? That's, again, yeah. it's all it's all Embiid. Um, you know, Toronto has nobody to match up. Like this, they're, they're one team, you know, they're positionless, no center, that works against, or I think it still might work now, but separately. But like in the man-to-man mashup, that works for 28 of the teams in the league, really, right? Mm-hmm. Except... Denver and Philly, right? That's really it. Yeah. Um, is anyone else you worried about pun- punishing you? Like either behemoths? I don't think so. Um, down low. Um, Embiid, this is important to note, right? Because we know they're not going to play him one-on-one probably. They're going to swarm him. And Nurse is really good at that. And we've seen Embiid in years past get flummoxed by that. Um, his turnover rate is a career low. His assist rate is career high. These are all have been steady progressions year by year. So this is something yeah. that he's gotten much better at. This year especially has gotten really good at reading the floor. There's a bunch of clips earlier in the year that went kind of mini viral, like before Harden, but like Embiid catching the ball on the block and pointing out the guys, you stand here and knowing exactly that he's going to hit them, like basically mm-hmm. dictating that where the shot's going to come and, you know, high level stuff. Um, again, Embiid's a basketball genius. He, he's, a, he's a genius. Um, he has struggled at times with, um, if you bring the help and it's kind of your funky doubles. And I don't know if anyone is, better at that than Nick Nurse in terms of coming up with like mad scientist type, like, okay, well, oh, he loves it. Now. 
well, what's like he doing right guys now? coming, you know, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what's he doing like, right now? You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, not just do you think the double team? No, we're going to have like this guy crawl through this guy's legs and he's going to pop up from the corner, right? Just like weird shit that just is all. Hey, Kyle Lowry's um, right here. There's not going to be any crawling through legs. You know <laughs> hey, you know, Fred you saw, wants to you saw, he, that's what I'm saying. And you saw it again last week's game. I think B finished with 30. I don't know. He had good numbers, but yeah. he had like five turnovers. He airmailed, a th- he airmailed a three. His efficiency wasn't quite there. And again, this is a level like he's going to average 28 and 15 in the series, right? That, like we know, it's again, yes. the efficiency. How many shots are you going to force him to get him? How many shots is he going to need to get those? Can you keep him off the line, which is a separate mm-hmm. one? Not always dictated by you. That might be more, maybe he's going to play a certain way. How's the game being called? And, uh, and the assistant turnovers, right? Those are some of the big ones. He's going to get his points. Like the points will be yeah. there. That's just not going to, you're not going to stop that. The free throw conversation is going to be an interesting one too because Joel Embiid, uh, James Harden, one and two in free throws attempts per per game um, or for the whole season. And uh, James Harden in the second game against the Raptors, or just so everyone's curious, I mean, because I was I was looking at his stats for those two games, and so he was eight of twenty four. He had twenty three assists. 13 of 16 from the line, um, but he only had six free throws in the second game, one of eight from three, nine turnovers, four of 13 on unassisted field goal attempts, which to me is essentially um, isolation. So he struggled, like you mentioned, um, in that, and he's kind of done that all season. Like his numbers, I mean, I don't know, man, like... What's, he shooting? Were... What's, what's the overall, 40% or something in the field? Yeah, yeah I, I was about just about to say, actually, it was 40% uh, on the season, 53% at the rim, 33% from three. And in case you're thinking, no, but maybe he's improved over the past little while. No, he's 35% on drives in the last 10 games. So this has been an issue, not just in Philly. It was an issue in Brooklyn, too. He has not been good. And the idea that he's going to be able to turn it on, he is a player that could definitely do it. He's that talented, but he doesn't look right. It doesn't look like yeah, no. So he, there are people who say he needs a full off season of recovery. Um, whether James Harden takes looks at a full off season as something to use for recovery as opposed to fun is a separate conversation. Um, <laughs> and that's but that's a, but yeah, he doesn't look right. His best stretch this year was when he came back to the beginning with Philly. That was after he took, I think it was let's say two weeks off, whatever it was, post trade into mm-hmm. All Star break, and then a few games. Um, so if you are the the belief that he wasn't healthy and therefore that he's having health issues and that therefore the reason he had that good stretch was because he was healthy. Um, that would seem to indicate that maybe if you're a Philly fan, you should be worried. Yeah. I mean, what do you, he can't get by anyone. The game against Toronto. I'm so curious to see if we end up looking back at the game last week, the Sixers Raptors game as being yeah. like, Oh wait, that, uh, I don't want to say won the series for the Toronto, but basically they, they didn't, they, it took away of game of experimenting for them. They figured out in the second half, Hey, we can just forget all this not other stuff. Just switch. He can't guy. He can't get by pressures to chew us. What are we doing here? Yeah. And I'd be shocked yeah. if they don't come out with that strategy to begin with. Maybe they want to throw a curveball here and there, but like to me, that seems like the obvious thing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm thinking too. And um, this, if, we're going to get to this in a second, but it really feels like this is going to come down to how effective James Harden is going to be. Because, like you said, um, Joel Embiid is going to do 20 and 15. He's going to, you know, there's going to, there's going to be some turnovers. Um, he's going to find shooters. Um, how well the shooters are able to capitalize, like you know, Maxi, uh, Yang, um, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, are they going to be like incredible catch and shoot players in this series? That's a factor that that could definitely happen. They shot really well in that game against Toronto. They lost, but like the three point shooting uh, ability is definitely there. But when it comes down to it, though, um, it's still three point shots, twenty five feet. Like there's going to be some misses, and so when those switches do happen, or even if the Raptors like throw another curveball and they just like make it happen. Like we want to see James Harden take someone one-on-one. We're going to demand I mean, that's that. what I would do. Like I yeah. would even like not, again, I, uh, we play, uh, it's what I would do. I don't know anything. Right. But just like, it feels like to me, yeah, the obvious is like, <laughs> just press up. You don't even help. Right. You're like, yeah. press up and Harden, drive by me. You have to finish. You have to finish it normally. You can't do one of your stupid, like, oh, I'm going to try to get fouled. They're not going to call these because mm-hmm. it's a playoffs. Like he, he hasn't shown any ability to finish. What was the number at the rim? Uh, 53% at the rim this year. Right. And I would, and I, and I think that's even probably been worse recently in this recent stretch, right. When he's going yeah. four for 15 regularly. Um, like I wouldn't even help all, but, you know, press up, take away a step back or make him, he had an air ball step back in game against the Raptors game last against Raptors last week. Like if yeah. he's going to take it, press up and make him really like get his lift into it. Um, mm. like the other guys we do. I mean, I think the Sixers, if they put the ball in Maxi's hands a little bit, to me, that would be more of a key. And yeah, I like him. He's, he's great. Awesome. And like, let Harden almost play secondary-ish. Not take away. And the Harden, like we're killing Harden. The Harden and beat pick and roll has been fantastic. We should be clear. Like, when they're yes. on the court, the two of them on the court, the team numbers are really good. The efficiency numbers on the pick and roll are really good. Like, to be clear on all that stuff. Um, 
but when he starts dancing with it and trying to go one on one, and if you switch, it's like mm. you're kind of challenging him. And the aging superstars, man, we've seen this all the time. It's hard for aging superstars to recognize sure. when their games are different. And if you kind of switch automatically and keep him beat out of that short roll, if we get a way to pinch down that short roll um, and make Harden mm -hmm. beat you, that to me would be the strategy. Yeah. And I saw the game against the Pacers. That was the last game that Harden played. And that was a case where they decided that they weren't, the short roll wasn't absolutely an option. And uh, there was James Harden being amazing. Like that pick and roll was, was incredible, but you know, not every team has players like the Raptors do where they can, you know, do a lot of long rangy bodies with a lot of length and uh, they can kind of, you know, really screw up some driving lanes for you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And also mm -hmm. passing lanes. So they're going to happily, like you said, they're going to happily switch uh, James Harden um, or press the chew onto James Harden or Scotty Barnes or OG Ananobi or whoever it's going to be. And what's going to happen then? That's like, that is like the deciding factor. It feels like in this series. I, think, Tobias, I agree. I feel bad for Tobias Harris because like I was looking at this because just looking at his box scores, I'm like, he's not really touching the ball anymore. And I saw that 69.1 touches per game uh, before the Harden trade. And then it's gone down to 52.6 after the trade. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, he's become, he's actually deserves credit. He kind of, he's uh, adapted a little bit and in, in, sure. in a, uh, in a way, it's a testament to his like, I don't want to say professionalism, not to get too like oversensitive about it, but just the idea that this is definitely not what he likes to play. And you can argue whether they'll probably get traded in the offseason just because it's silly to have pay a guy $30 million to be a spot up shooter. Right. And mm -hmm. you can argue about his contract, whatever, but like there's a, you reach a, a, uh, a spot, a point of diminishing returns and they fit that in terms of the offense and like with Maxi Harden and bead, it's yeah. uh, the other guys need to be, you know, secondary wing players, spot up guys, but he's learned how he's, he's got a quicker trigger. Um, he's like, he should be a better shooter. Like if you watch him shoot a warmups, not to again, I'm not a coach, but like his shot is mm -hmm. beautiful, technical and all that. Um, you know, sometimes he hesitates on the call to catch, but he's gotten better there too. It's just, he's done his job. You know, you want to argue yep. with the money or whatever, but he's done his job as their fourth option now. And then not, again, not to rag on James Harden, but he's like, oh, you got to learn how to be a catch and shoot guy because I've been so used to being, you know, so ball dominant over the years. And I got to take some time. I'm like, bro, TikTok, the playoffs are here. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm very much with you. So again, yeah. like, and I'm repeating. So the pick and roll has been really good, right? I, I guess we haven't talked about that. So I'm at how Toronto uh, guards that will be interesting. I'm assuming they'll switch. Yeah. Because that worked. They and they'll switch a big guy and, you know, then kind of rotate onto Embiid if, the, if there's a mismatch against Embiid. And basically, the only time you'll see doubles is when Embiid gets the ball. But that's mm -hmm. that's something the Sixers can use, right? If you get even a switch and you get Embiid, then whoever the switch is to get some sort of deep positioning and trigger some sort of rotation. Like the whole thing is get two on the ball in some way, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's not like, you know, the Sixers, like that, that's a, that pick and roll combination is really tough to deal with. But man, I'm with you. It just feels like, it feels like these series take forever. So it's five months from now when the series ends, right? Uh, finally, it feels like um, the conversation is going to be, we're going to be having the, uh, the James Harden conversation is what, sure. where I kind of feel like this is going. 
I'm curious how the Raptors handled their starting lineup because, um, like I said earlier, they yeah. haven't the Sixers haven't seen like their true starting lineup. But also, I'm thinking, has anybody though? <laughs> true. I mean, 21 games. That's all we've seen. Um, but Is also, that the <laughs> 21 games that they've had their actual starting lineup. Um, but then I'm thinking, like you know, against Joel Embiid, like, do you want? Is it's going to be Scotty Barnes or OG Ananobi handling that matchup in the early first quarter, early third quarter? Like, is that a recipe for success, especially when you have Ken Birch there, who's been pretty up and down this year, but he's a tall body, your tallest body. And then there's Preston Chua, who's had some success to some degree, as much as you can have against a person like Joel Embiid. Also, Precious in those two games against 76ers, he averaged 20 points a game. Crazy. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's like, how do they decide that maybe you move uh, Gary Trent Jr. to the bench? Um, I guess it's going to probably be like a game time call, depending on how things are going. But yeah, you you have a better read on that, on, on uh, that side of stuff than I do. I, again, I'd be surprised. And again, starting lineup doesn't matter. I, I'd be surprised if the core, if they spend 30 minutes a game without one of those two bigs. Yeah. I know we don't do bigs in Toronto, right? But one of those two <laughs> bigs uh, on the floor. Or at least ma- or at least spot it's matching the minutes with Embiid, right? Like that's yeah. the thing that I would do. Like if DeAndre, when DeAndre Jordan's on the floor, man, go go five, you know, go five <laughs> little little guys. Um, yeah. To me, it seems like a bit of a recipe for disaster. But Nick Nurse is smarter than I am, so. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Um, moving to the defensive end, you kind of talked about some of this already, but um, on the Raptor side of things, let's start here. Um, who could potentially get exposed? in this series what players i mean we're talking the, about Joel Embiid, but on the raptors side on the raptors side yeah um, who could get exposed we've sort of talked about you know their big guys like precious and birch and boucher and yeah, Bar, to so me, to me there's yeah. that um answer. i'm curious to see where they feel like og is most if they if they just like put him on maxi to say hey just lock that down by yourself in a way mm-hmm. right um i'm curious to see how they sort of deploy him and again this stuff is usually not like 48 minutes, seven games. It's fluid. Um, sure. I'd be curious to see where they put him. Um, again, so Van Vliet, the injury thing's interesting, right? So you you watch more, but like if you're not healthy and let's say they put him on Maxi, right? Let's say um, if your leg's not there, like Maxi, if, if you're not feeling 100% moving in your lateral movement, um, Maxi's really fast, right? <laughs> really yeah. good and really tough. Yes. Um, so that that would be interesting to me. Um, hmm. till they go that. Um, I also expect uh, Toronto to kind of attack him the way we see all saw like Phoenix did, um, two weeks ago in a game against Philly. Um, how do they do that? They just it was a lot of pick and rolls, they put him in a lot of pick and rolls, and mm. there's Booker basically hunting him. Um, if I remember correctly, um, again, this goes back to Philly, like the Philly backcourt, Harden and Maxi. It's for two different reasons, right? Uh, yeah. Maxi's not Maxi's young and a little smaller, not for lack of effort, Harden is a uh, effort issue. And now maybe health, um, but the uh, the their defensive backcourt is not exactly um, strong, which goes back to what we're talking about with Embiid having to prop the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so the original question, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, they're gonna attack Trent, but this goes who? This is the thing of the Sixers, right? This again, and this happens you make these sort of trades. Like, how do you? How are they gonna try to attack these guys? And who do they have to attack? If Danny Green, you don't. Danny Green's good and helpful on the floor. You don't target people with Danny Green, right? Like the, that's not something you can do. You're not going to be like, "Hey, Danny, you run, you run a pick and roll. Go take or go take, uh, yeah, exactly. Go take Gary Trent off the dribble, right?" It's like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's the two. It's the two. It's pick and rolls with the two. It's pick and rolls with the two guys and Maxi, right? That's the mm-hmm. offense. I guess Tobias can go one on one. You can see the deal is, but I would imagine Toronto would be very happy to see Tobias Harris go one on one regularly. Anyone but Joel Embiid. Um, just like, yeah. I mean, I'm sort of nitpicking a little bit, but Scotty Barnes as a rookie. Um, as an off-ball defender, he hasn't been great, and he has um, a tendency to get a little bit too aggressive in his one-on-one matchups. Like they've thrown a lot of different things at him. They've asked him to guard virtually every kind of body type in the NBA. And I looked at that uh, game against the Sixers earlier on in the season, and, and you know, Harden burned him a couple times because simply he was just way too close to him. And so, um, and that's happens a lot actually. He just doesn't he re- doesn't really use his length the way that he probably should. Just like he's a very big guy, mm-hmm. very athletic. Just keep that in mind and don't get too aggressive because you don't want James Harden getting to the free throw line because then you're just like, yeah, you're cooking yourself. When you expect, I would expect OG to get most of the uh, important minutes on Harden, wouldn't you? Definitely, yeah, definitely him. But also, like, I mean, it's a starting lineup thing too. Like, do you want, oh, if you are going with your traditional starting lineup, traditional, the 21-game sample size, do you want Scotty Barnes guarding Joel Embiid? Or do you want, right, it's a team thing, or, right. or is it or is it OG? Because OG's had right. success 
to some degree against like Nikola Jokic, or at least like between Barnes and OG, you'd probably want OG because he's more experienced. So is that the idea? But also I like the idea of OG being off ball because like he's terrific at those digs at Joel once he, uh, like that mm-hmm. rattles Joel. I mean, it's hard to see it, but you can tell that he's just like, as soon as he takes a dribble, he's just like, who the hell's coming and where are they coming? No, I thought that was obvious in the most recent game that Joel, like I yeah. mentioned this, but the fact that he airmailed, he had a ball that went like 40 feet high into the stand. Ooh. And that is something we have yeah. not seen from him. He looked, I don't want to say rattle, that's too strong a word, but he looked, um, whatever is below flummoxed and confused, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. aware. How about hyper aware and alert as opposed yeah. to letting the game come to him, which again, we're talking about when you're talking about these guys who are like, all-time greats, MVP caliber players, like you're not going to shut these guys down. It's sure. how do you slice off just a little bit to bring them down to the rest of the mortals, right? Just a tad. And that's yeah, the yeah. difference. Um, on the 76er side of things, oh, I was going to mention Gary Trent Jr. Cause he has a tendency again to foul a lot. Again, same thing with Harden. If you do that, you're, like, you're screwing yourself. Um, so he's got to be careful. But on the 76er side of things, who's in the running to get exposed? Um, one person mm-hmm. that came to mind for me is uh, Yang. And I said that there's going to be a stat around a player who has a terrible plus minus on the 76ers against the Raptors. He is he has a minus 42 in the 38 minus minutes. In the 38 wow. minutes he played in the last two games, and so, okay, a lot I'm of that was Pascal. So, yeah, I was going to say what is that? So that just he gets he's guarding Pascal and Pascal is going at him. Is that what that is? Yeah, pretty much. This goes back to the depth issue, right? So and the Sixers need him because he is as funny as that sounds. He is one of their few hmm. two way guys. So again, he's not but like he's a really good shooter. He's yeah. a smart. He's a good passer, a smart player. And on defense, he's uh, physically not there. But he he knows he, he knows how to use his body. He knows how to move around a little bit. The mm-hmm. Foot speed's not there. But that it goes back to the problems, right? Like this is not a deep team. Partly because when you make a trade for a superstar, I know they gave up one. Like that usually guts your um, depth. Sure. But also they've had they've had some misfires, and of course, um, Thibel, um being out is going to be. A problem with that too. So yeah, that that is that's mm. fascinating. That's a crazy stat. Yeah. Tyvel's interesting though. Like I, when from a size standpoint, like six five two ten, I'm like, okay, he doesn't really match up that well necessarily with like OG Scotty and Pascal. But as a team defender, like he's the guy who's going to have like three blocks and three steals. Like he's very yeah good he's there. yeah he's bet that's his strength more than on the ball. It's like a better version of Robert Covington who was never actually good at defense, right? But like <laughs> like off the ball stuff yeah. was never good at on the ball defense. I know all the stat nerds going to come to me. Um. um Thibault is kind of like a uh, that on steroids, right? Like yeah. he can guard on the ball. His real strength is just, you know, either if he's like on the ball and then chasing behind on the pick, right? And just sure. like, you just don't really like just coming and swine, pulling the ball out and just wreaking havoc with his hands, his arms and his instinct. It's uncanny, right? It's, it's unbelievable. Um, so having on the, yeah, having on the court, like losing that, it's huge. Like done, but it's huge. What has been the reaction in Philly to, to all this? Um. That's okay. So clear. I'm not in Philly. I just moonlight as a Sixers expert. Sure. That I live in New York. Uh, anyway, my understanding reaction. I mean, I'm on that side section. of the border. <laughs> That's <laughs> in America. Yes. Uh, uh, I would say. I mean, I think it's what you expect. I, you know, I can't. Uh, I, I'm a student. It's a good question. I think most people think it's like it's it's. Uh, let's be nice. Displaying. Uh, characteristics that would appear to be uh, idiotic. How about that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I mean, one shot of five, that's hilarious, man. Getting one shot, like, at least get a J&J. One shot of that and being like, I'm good. Like, I don't, the, yeah. uh, a complete no, would that would make more sense to me than the one, right? I have trouble understanding the one shot. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. And um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I was listening to Doc Rivers yesterday and he was talking about, uh, you know, we're not on the Paul Reed uh you know, a war tour or something like that. When someone asked him about playing him more, he's like, we're trying to win championships. I'm like, then what is Tybal doing? Because he's a big part of what you're trying to do. So they, I get to, I mean, yeah, I don't, this is not like, this is not something that caught the Sixers off guard. And this is not something that they are uh, thrilled about. Right. Like right. this it is not like they did not do whatever they could to try to get that uh, second jab into his arm within two weeks. Right. Or whatever. Like this is yeah. not, I can't blame them for this one. Um, they saw this coming because yeah. he could, I think um, Blake Murphy with the sports and he pointed out that if he was to get it based on NBA rules, he could be eligible for game six. I think that's, that's the case, but if you got the one to Johnson Johnson there, I, mean, I love this. We're back to if, if yeah. analogy. Great. Um, <laughs> if he was uh, to get it, he would be, he would be yeah, available for like, game six, but yeah. And I can tell you, I was at, um, you know, this is armchair psychology, but I was in Toronto last week for the game. And good some other stuff there. And I went to the morning practice, and this was the um, shoot around. 
the Sixers morning shoot around and the night before or the day before was when it was clear that Thibault and for most people there, but then Thibault was the guy, right? Yeah. So it was the first time Doc was going to speak about it. And the beat writers come, they're asking about it. He's saying, I'm not going to comment. I'm not going to comment. And one of the beat writers says, I'm sorry, you know, we got to ask about it. And he goes, no, I know you do. And you should. And Doc, we talked about his, his interactions with the media earlier, right? Doc Rivers is somebody who, um, if he is not happy with your line of questioning or he thinks you're not doing your job as a reporter, we'll make it very, very clear. Or he thinks mm-hmm. you're crossing a line, make it very, very clear. And usually when you, usually his, uh, I'm not going to comment about it, are coupled with the uh, expression that is basically a fuck you, leave me alone, right? And yes. this was very much, did not include that, right? It was very much like, it was very clear he was not upset about being asked about these and he was not asked, you know, he wasn't commenting, but it was, to me, it was very clear, like, you know, if you're like doing like, what well, was it, the Kane Peel skate? We're like, we're hearing what actually is being said as opposed to exactly. like what we're talking about. Like, yeah, it was yeah. very clear, like what his thoughts were, right? Like it was, because yeah. because he, by yeah. the fact that he wasn't upset or annoyed or giving any attitude about it, it was very clear that his, to me, that his thinking was like, this fucking guy, can you believe this shit? Like yeah. that's basically what he's thinking, right? <laughs> exactly. Man, it's a, I mean, it's a, uh, there was some ruckus on Twitter about this because I don't think everyone realized that um, it's not just that, you know, players can't come to Canada uh, if they're unvaccinated. It's also the Raptors. They can't go to the States unless they're fully vaccinated as well. So there is a person saying, like, what is going on with Canada? What's happening? He's like, it's the same rules both ways. Like, if you just get yeah. vaccinated, you're good also, to go. I'm done with the, I'm done with the, uh, like, you know, I mean, like the, uh, I feel bad. Or like the, uh, yeah. how come a fan can be here and not? I'm like, yeah, if I, you know, in Brooklyn, how come a fan could be here? Kyrie can watch the game, but he can't play. And, yeah, like if I had to argue it in front of like a the Supreme Court, I would take that fight. It does not make uh, much, you know, the 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 basic sense of it. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can poke holes in the uh, yeah. legalese and the argument, but also I don't give a shit. Like I'm done with. It. Like I, it's like I just, you know, like I just <laughs> yeah. I just just get vaccinated. Uh, yeah, I'm not like I'm not Problem applying solved. that level of thinking yeah. to that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's enough vaccination talk. We had a, we had yeah. to get our dose. Uh, we did our obligation. There we go. Look at you. Um, dose. I like it. <laughs> Yeah. They only do uh, one dose, though, not two. <laughs> Let's talk X factors for both teams. Let's, and starting with the 76ers. Yeah. Who is the X factor for the 76ers that could help tilt this series in their favor? Dr. Fauci. Um, so the X factor <laughs> is, uh, I'm going to say Maxi. I'm going to say Maxi because Maxi yeah. could average 28 a game for the series, right? And now, like, he could be the guy. Um, mm. We'll see if Harden allows that to happen and if he has it in him, right? But to me, like, we could see, like, oh, yeah, he's, like, the best. He's the second best player on the floor, right? I mean, yeah, that's the X factor. I mean, the obvious answer is Embiid. It's not an X factor. But, like, Embiid, and I'm going to jump ahead here. Embiid's the best player in the series, right? Basically, it yes. seems like the question comes down to best player versus more whole, whole team with fewer holes and better schemes and better coaching, mm-hmm. basically. And, like, which are you going? It's a fascinating NBA question, right? So, if you want to yeah. say the X factor, is going to be, be dominant. But uh, Maxi's in that category for me as well. I'll say Danny Green because one, I love Danny Green. He was my guy. There you go. Um, he talked to me a little while ago. We had a podcast with him, um, Yahoo did inside the green room. It was when it was based in Toronto. Um, he is doing it with us. And so we saw him every week. He's such a, he's a good dude. But also in the last game against the Raptors, he shot uh, six of seven from three. So, and like that game was kind that of getting away from the 76ers late in the game, but he made a couple of big threes. I'm just like, okay, well, there's a Danny that we all know. Um, he does have flashes where you're just like, where is that Danny? Hello, where are you, sir? Come on in. But uh, <laughs> I think he's got that ability because like we talked about, I mean, there's going to be a lot of triples and doubles happening. And uh, if he's able to be that catch and shoot guy, that like guy who's just like, can't miss like he was in his Spurs days, he certainly has the ability six or seven from three. Like I just said, um, he could be a person. And also a shake Milton came to mind just for a second, only because like, how are they going to stay afloat during those non impede minutes and him coming on uh, being a person who can hit a couple of threes in the event that James Harden is not the person that we think he should be or he thinks he is or whatever mm-hmm. um just like a couple of minutes of being able to actually produce and score the ball would be really beneficial because those non and minutes and then they're gonna, they're gonna be fun they're gonna be really yeah, yeah. really tough <laughs> yeah yeah 100 yeah on the rapper side of things where are you where are you leaning x factors x factors um again i'll, I'll make i'll make sure van vliet's health um yeah. is one for me um, I kind of feel like the Pascal is like a given at this point. At this point, maybe I'm yeah. wrong on that one, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with that. I'm thinking I'm gonna go with Van Vliet. I'm gonna go with the health and his performance, right? If he can sort of be the second gun. I'm, I'm first of all, a lockdown on Primer on defense, right? 
sure. and have a second gun with the ball and sort of um, set the set the Sixers defense into rotation by himself off the initial pick and rolls. Right, that was to me mm-hmm. was interesting. I wasn't really sure where to go with this one because there's different players who could have a big impact on 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 the Raptors, like Pascal Siakam. I'll get to him like you know towards the end of this, but uh, I feel like a pressure to Chua because of how well he's done That's against Joel Embiid. And again, this is in the vein of like he is incredible. Joel Embiid is unstoppable, but being able to limit him and he's able to like hit some catch and shoot threes now. And he had that like heat check pull up that he hit like in that last game I was just like, man, what is this guy? What he wasn't able to hit. Like that was an air ball for sure earlier on the season. And somehow, some way he's really developed throughout the year and him being able to be a catch and shoot threat consistently throughout the series would be beneficial. And I mentioned Gary Trent jr. Earlier on um, him just being uh yeah, being a nonstop catch and shoot guy. It's all coming down mm-hmm. to threes. It feels like a lot of this is just coming down to threes. And because I think that's the NBA down. in 2022, right? <laughs> I know, right? Isolation, mismatches, kickouts, threes. So whoever shoots better from three, or at least because I think the 76ers are a better three point shooting team. But if the gap isn't as big as it, it probably should be, or if the Raptors are able to like get some consistency from OG, who's another person who could be an X factor as well because of, you know, just he's OG, right? He can. Scoring a lot of different ways. If he's able to be a bit of an isolation threat, uh, mm-hmm, that could be mm-hmm. beneficial. And but Gary was the person just because of his movement, shooting ability, and uh, catch and shoot. Yeah, those I like, guys. I like it. Me. I like it. Yeah. Prediction time. Here we go. Oh. Um, God, I'm I, torn on this one. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll go. I'll start first. And, go first. Uh, I'm curious. I uh, actually I'll start here actually first because I'm, I'm going to let you go pretty soon here. But uh, finish this statement. The Raptors win if. Mm. The Raptors win if James Harden, uh, if they can't, whatever, you finish something. But if James Harden is the guy who's been this 35% shooter. Yeah. Okay. Um, mine was Raptors win if they're hitting their threes at a high clip, specifically like a person like Scotty Barnes, because that's the person that teams are cheating off of to clog the lane. So things are harder for Pascal. And if he's able to be a little bit more consistent there, um, but overall, all of them, like if they're able to be better catch and shoot players, and also if the bench is able to be competent because both teams don't have great benches, um, if they're able to win that battle, like, uh, you know, game by game, and that's kind of a, a given at some point, I think the Raptors have a really good shot. And on the 76ers side, the 76ers win if? Uh, FMB goes, you know, Hall of Fame, whatever. For, you know, it goes for an all-time great series, you know, 35 yeah. and 20, um, which is possible, right? That's the whole sure. thing. James Harden finds his forms for, for me. That's a good answer, too, but yeah, yeah. that's a good one. I'm kind of, I'm going to kind of, so maybe I'm answering I feel like that's a. I feel like that's done. I feel like that ship, ship has sailed. I might be wrong, but I, that's kind of that's really how yeah. I feel right now. That watch him play. Um, okay, they're gonna have a week off now. We should have thought about that or whatever it is. Right, that can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and there might be more of a thing that we see come second round is gonna be like an sure. issue for him as opposed to round one. Um, I just don't like what I see from him. Yeah, it's not good, man. It's not good. Okay, predictions. Um. Want me to go first? You want to go first? Eh. You go first. I'll go first. Okay. I'm going to say the Raptors in six, but I feel like I am being a little bit modest with it because I I really do feel like if they're able to um, limit Joel Embiid, and as you said, James Harden, like I just think this is who he is. Like this is enough of a sample size. Like if he could have turned it on, I think he would have done it at some point. Um, I just think they have too many threats, and I don't think Pascal Siakam is going anywhere. I think he is a serious problem. I think he's going to be, uh, you know, this season he averaged 38 and eight against the 76ers. He clearly likes the matchup. And I think his mid-range game, like that's going to be huge for him. Even if his threes are kind of up and down, him just being like a person who needs to be double teamed as he has been for uh, most of the latter part of the season. I think, I think they're going to be, I think he's going to be a real problem for the 76ers. And I feel like, you know, six games is what I'm going to say, but I feel like it could be potentially even five if the Raptors don't get rattled in that first game because the 76ers crowd, I remember I was in Philly in 2019. That's the loudest crowd I've ever heard. Hands down. I was in, and I was in Golden State too. That Philly crowd was Mm -hmm. obnoxious and rude and geez, but (laughs) yeah, they got that game four win. That was huge. But uh, if they're not rattled in that first game, um, I could see five happening to be honest with you, because I think, I just think the matchup is just so favorable for Toronto versus like any other team in the playoffs right now that it's just, it's too perfect for them because 
I don't think Nick Nurse has really shown his full hand yet against Joel Embiid. And that's going to be another adjustment for him. And he can't, he has to be perfect. He has to be perfect. I'm picking uh, Raptors in seven on a corner three that bounces four times. Um, <laughs> Who's a shooter? No, I, Kawhi. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got to, um, like every instinct of mine is picked Raptors, right? And I don't, can't tell if I'm doing, if by doing that, I'm doing like the NBA nerd, you know, NBA Twitter nerdy thing. We're like, oh, the uh, weak side pick and roll defense. And we're just ignoring the fact that indeed the monster, right? And like getting too into minutia, if that makes sense, right? And like, I don't know if I'm overthinking it, uh, but I'm sort of with you, right? I'm, I'll go Raptors in six. But I'm going to change it four times before the series starts. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm with, but basically I'm with you. Like, forget my predict. I'm with you, right? To me, this feels like it's the Raptors. It feels like Philly needs to – sometimes when you watch these series, these playoff series, it's like, oh, wait, one team feels like they have to struggle to match up and to match the other team. Yeah. And like – like, and you feel like the other team's sort of playing from behind. And to me, it feels like almost Philly's playing from behind here in terms of how they're going to attack and match up. And to me, that's the part, like, I can't get over. Yeah. But Tyrese Maxey, he's a guy that I feel like if he could just, like, you know, take over that role as the number two guy for James Harden, maybe it's more James, uh, Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid pick and rolls. I don't know. But, like, they're going to try everything, I'm sure, because if it does go badly, then it's going to be like, all right, let's – get into that toolbox and let's just keep on digging and digging and digging until we find something that's going to work. Um, he could have uh, a huge role. And if he's able to, you know, be that uh, matchup problem for the Raptors, which he could be because he's that fast, um, then kickouts happening, all that stuff. That could be a huge factor too. Cause like you said, James Harden, I just don't think that guy's coming back anymore. I think this is who he is. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. At least until next year, we'll see. Right. We'll yeah. see. But I'm with you. I'm very much with yeah. you. Looking uh, forward to that uh, piece you have coming out on Fred Van Vliet. That should be fun. When's that, uh, yeah. that coming? Uh, don't push me yet. I got <laughs> yeah. okay. Cool. Middle of series. Middle of series. Yeah, 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 series. yeah, yeah. You just got a house. You got a lot of things going on. There's no no problem. Um, yeah. Jerome, man, thank you much. Thanks so much for for joining me. Much appreciated. Um, it was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, enjoy the series, everyone. Um, we'll talk to you later. Bye bye.